Thank you for worshiping with us. Thank you to the worship team for preparing our hearts. Right now, let me begin with a question. If you are this child's mother, would you ever imagine giving her up? There are times this thought had crossed the mind of Aya. Aya is a single mom from Ethiopia who is now working as a domestic helper in Lebanon. But because of the coronavirus lockdown that led to Lebanon's economic collapse, she now has no work and is faced with possible eviction from the room that she is renting. The thought of her only daughter being homeless kept her up at night. She thinks of giving her up Maybe someone could give her four-year-old daughter a better future. Yes, it is unthinkable, but what do you do when you have nothing? When you would do anything to protect your child, 
and give her a good future. Like Aya, an estimated thousands of migrant domestic workers are now stranded in Lebanon, jobless, penniless, and some homeless with no way out because of this pandemic. Last May 9, 14-year-old Marjun and his three younger siblings lost their mother who died in a hospital in Cebu. They were not able to say goodbye or even see their mother for one last time because she was buried immediately after she died. Their father had to be quarantined for two weeks awaiting his COVID test result. And these four children were left to take care of themselves as their relatives were far away in Mindanao. Sandy Rutter from the United States was a single mother and breast cancer survivor who contracted COVID. Her six children said their last words to her through a walkie-talkie that a nurse placed at her bedside. Now, these six children are left without a mother or a father. Last month, Rajesh Chauhan and 10 of his fellow migrant workers from India had to walk 1,200 miles or approximately 2,000 kilometers. Imagine 2,000 kilometers over 10 days in order to be with their family again. India's lockdown left them with no choice. There was no public transportation for them to go home. And these scenes are far too common in India in Bangladesh, in Pakistan, as migrant workers have to walk for days in order to reach their home provinces, as all modes of public transportation were suspended because of the nationwide lockdown. And their sufferings were even aggravated by the worst cyclone to ever hit India and Bangladesh. And this is one of the damaged houses, an evacuation center, and our NMEC-supported missions agency, Reaching the Unreached Nations, or RAN, has been sending financial assistance to these hard-hit areas in Bangladesh in order to provide relief items and food to these affected victims. And these are some of the pictures of their distribution uh, to this urban poor, to this less privileged people of Bangladesh. We all know that uh, all businesses are also taking a hit from this virus. While many have been forced to close down, unemployment has become un unprecedented and so is hopelessness among many people. Many daily wage earners from around the world hardly survived these last two and a half months. No work would mean no income for hundreds of millions of these laborers. And as they say, you are already considered lucky if you just survive this pandemic. And indeed, many did not survive. More than 400,000 people had already died from COVID and most of them dying alone and cannot even be mourned. 
And we see pictures after pictures and videos after videos of this suffering and death, day after day, story after story of lost mothers, fathers, grandfathers, grandmothers, siblings, spouses, and even children. Families shattered, businesses closed, people becoming jobless. And surely, we are going to see even more of these sufferings in the days and the weeks ahead. Too much suffering to the point that a newspaper editor would write this article about three weeks ago, and it is entitled, God has a lot to answer for. He said, and I quote, so much death and suffering, so many hopes for a better life destroyed by this pandemic. People of faith often wonder aloud at moments of personal and collective tragedy how a God, a good God, could permit bad things to happen to good people. Indeed, many people has also asked me that same question. Why? Why didn't God do something to stop this pandemic? If God loves the world so much, if He is truly in control, why doesn't He fix all these problems? You know, throughout history, a lot of people have asked God those same questions. Maybe you yourself, you've also asked them. Even a pastor like me would struggle with these questions at times. In fact, the earliest book of the Bible, the book of Job, already dealt with this issue. Why? Why do you think God would discuss the problem of suffering in the first, in the most ancient of all scriptural texts ever written? Because he knew that pain and suffering are part of every human existence from the earliest generation up till now. And it is something we have to live with in our fallen world because of our sins. Job has been through much more suffering than any one of us would have experienced in our lifetime. He lost everything, his wealth, his friends, his health, his possessions, his loved ones, even his wife abandoned him. In his suffering, Job began to struggle with his faith. Though he did not sin by attacking God, but he did charge God with acting unjustly. Just look at the question he asked in Job chapter 3. Why did I not perish at birth and die as I came from the womb? Meaning, why was I even born in the first place? It may seem like Job was just talking to himself, not to God. And he was just asking, why me? But think for a moment. Who created Job? Who formed Job in his mother's womb? It was God. So while he was speaking to himself, he was really talking to God indirectly. While he is asking himself, why me? He's actually asking, why God? Now, if we continue reading, we will discover that Job would eventually challenge God directly. And we see this in chapter 13. He said, I've prepared my case. I will defend my ways to his face. Now, call me and I will answer. Or let me speak to you and you will reply to me. So like a lawyer in a courtroom demanding that the witness answer the questions that they were asked, 
Job pleaded for an opportunity to appear in court with God, demanding that he answers his questions. It is funny that at the opening of the book of Job, it would seem like Job was the one on trial. But as the book progresses, we found out that it is actually God who is on trial because Satan was questioning God. Job was questioning God. Job's friends were questioning God. And here, Job is saying, Lord, show up. We need to talk. And the Lord did. He showed up. But God did not speak at once. There was a period of silence before he speaks. But the silence is not forever. Notice God only speaks after everybody is done talking. He waited 36 chapters after Job is finished defending himself and to his three friends. And after his three friends have nothing more to say, then that's the time the Lord speaks. Maybe God is not speaking to you right now because you are still talking. Right? When God finally did answer, when God finally speaks, his answers were not what Job expected. Now, what was Job expecting? That God would apologize to him? Many times when we ask God why he allowed suffering in our life, we expect God to apologize, to say sorry for what we are going through, and hopefully compensate us for our in inconvenience. But God did not apologize to Job, nor will he say sorry to you. In fact, Job should be grateful that God did not crush him as punishment for daring to challenge him. Maybe Job was expecting answers from God, an explanation of his suffering. But none of that happened also. God did not answer Job's questions, nor did he address the problem of suffering. You know, people often times would seek answers from God to life's problems and pain. But sometimes, the answers don't come by knowing the answers. Let me repeat, the answers don't come by knowing the answers, but knowing the one who gives the answer. The answers don't come by knowing more about God here, but by knowing personally here. In Job chapter 38, the first verse, then the Lord answered Job. The Lord here is a personal name that God gave Moses at Mount Sinai. It's the name Yahweh or YHWH, the unpronounceable covenant name of God. And we would often interpret it as I am that I am, the great I am. But the more accurate translation should have been, I am whatever I would be. The one who is whoever or whatever he would be would like to speak to Job. And God speaks out of the whirlwind, okay? God would speak to Job from out of the whirlwind. And this is interesting. Why a whirlwind? Have you ever seen a whirlwind? Ipo-ipo or buhawi or, or, or what they call a tornado. As you can see, you cannot control or direct a whirlwind. You cannot predict 
when it's going to happen. You cannot predict how long it's going to stay. You don't know which direction it is to go. Maybe that's why God manifested himself in a whirlwind, to remind Job that he cannot be controlled and that he cannot direct or control him. Or probably God is speaking in the storms of Job's life. He speaks out of the whirlwind, out of the storms and trials in our life, just as Pastor Danny preached on last week. Now, what is God's answer to Job? He would respond with 77 questions in the longest continuous speech of God in the Bible. Beginning with verse 2, he asks, Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? What the original Hebrew here is actually saying is, Who do you think you are? The very first words God spoke made it clear to Job that you don't really know anything at all. You have a limited understanding of me. And who do you think you are trying to ask me questions about why I do what I do? Why do you talk so much when you know so little about me and my work in this world? Then God says, brace yourself. Get ready. You wanted to talk? Come on, let's talk. And what did God talk about? Let me divide God's 77 questions into three series of revelations from God. The first one is the revelation of who God is. Warren Wiersbe once said, the answer to Job's problem was not an explanation about God as the three friends and Elihu would offer but a revelation of God. It is not an explanation about God, but it is a revelation of God, a, revel a, re a revelation of who God really is. We have also suffered like Job. We have questions for God, and we want answers from Him. But before you ask those questions, do you really understand who you are questioning? First, ask yourself these three questions. First, do you really know who God is? Do you really know who you are? And have you compared who you are to who God is? For if you really know who God is, then you would not dare question Him. You see, God is God, and we are not. God is God, and you are not. And because He is God, He answers to no one. In Romans chapter 9, we are reminded, But who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one formed who formed it, Why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of some lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some for common use. You know, when I was younger, I loved to build things with my Lego bricks. I would build buildings and cities, and then sometimes I would have this urge to just destroy everything I've created by bombing them. 
and everything that I built would come crashing down. Now, would these Lego bricks have the right to question me? How dare you destroy us? Of course they cannot, they are not alive. But even if they are, they don't have the right because I put them together and I made them into something. In the same way, God created us out of nothing. Before creation, we were but dust. So what right do you now have to question Him? You know, the first series of questions will reveal the power and the wisdom, the greatness and the majesty of God and why He brought all this universe into existence. And what is the proof of God's power and wisdom of His greatness and majesty? Exhibit A in God's trial are His creation. And we can see God describing how He created everything in their proper order, in the order that they occurred in His six days of creation. So in the following verses and the following questions, God was actually walking Job through the six days of creation. He goes from the light to the skies to the firmament to the green grass to the seasons to the constellations in the sky and then to the birds and then to the land animals. Then God asked Job, where were you when all of these things happened? You know, when we converse with God, the first thing we notice is that God is so much bigger than we are. Our tiny lives is just a very, very small part of this bigger picture. We are but specks of dust compared to God. And Job found out, out that God is totally different from what he has imagined. And as the conversation continues, God gets larger and larger, and Job gets smaller and smaller. You know, brothers and sisters, we also have these preconceived notions about who God is based on our limited mind. We grow up with a certain understanding of who we think God is by putting Him in a small box. This is how God should be. This is how God should function. But these are all wrong. God is saying, you have no idea, even a teeny weeny bit of idea who I am. For God is beyond anything we could possibly know about Him. He is unfathomable. Big word, unfathomable. And our rational mind could not contain God. So who are we to try to comprehend God with our limited human understanding? That's why the psalmist would say, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Without a true understanding of this majesty of God, we are never going to understand God. It is only when we have this right perspective where we fit in this larger plan of God's creation that we begin to understand the pain and the suffering of what we are going through. And this is a big comfort for us. For what comfort 
it is for me in my suffering that tiny me has this huge God the one who is behind all of creation what a comfort it is for me to lie back and to rest in the knowledge that God is bigger than anything that would cause me pain he is bigger than all my problems he is greater than all my challenges so why should I fear why should I worry second those questions reveal how much God cares you know God's questions show us that he is so intimately involved in every aspect of his creation he watches over this little deer that is about to give birth he cares about the wild donkey that cannot be domesticated he cares about this stupid ostrich that would forsake its young he watches over them and if he cares about this donkey and this stupid ostrich won't he care about you if God is taking care of all his creation won't he take care of you if he's sustaining this entire universe can he not handle your problems you know God may not give us a tissue or a comforting pat of the back when we confront him about suffering but you will be comforted by his loving presence and providence and that's the good news in the story of Job that this God of the universe so powerful and so much bigger would care enough to even speak to one single person who is complaining about him that this almighty king would be compassionate enough to answer Job like any loving earthly father God always does and allows things with a purpose and if you cannot see them right now you just wait because in due time you will know them for example what is the purpose of Job's suffering in chapter 36 it tells us but it's by means of their suffering that God rescues those who suffer for he gets their attention through adversity God despite his greatness wants to know you he wants to rescue you and he wants to have this loving relationship with you though he speaks from the whirlwind and from the storm he longs to have this intimate relationship with you Augustine once said God loves each one of us as if there was only one of us to love God loves each one of us as if you are the last person on earth dear friends if you don't know about Jesus Christ or do not yet have a relationship with him God is inviting you right at this moment he's inviting you to have a relationship with him and it is easy all you have to do is to ask him to forgive you of your sins to repent and to accept Jesus Christ into your life and I hope that you do that even right now God loves you so much he wants to be with you in eternity 
The third revelation is a revelation of God's sovereignty, that He is still in control. At first, it may seem that God is saying, keep your mouth shut, Job, because I'm bigger, I'm stronger than you are. It may seem that God is so mean and so unsympathetic to Job's suffering. Though that is true, though God can say that, but God did not end there. God did not end in chapter 40. Notice in chap chapter 41, God would say, God would ask, can you pull in Leviathan with a fish hook or tie down its tongue with a rope? Meaning, if you cannot control Leviathan, what made you think you can control me? Some people say that a Leviathan is a crocodile. And probably we can see that also in the Chinese translation. But I don't think so. In the Bible, when the Leviathan is mentioned, it is almost always referring to Satan. So God is saying, are you able to defeat Satan, the one who is causing all your problems? Now you understand where your trials are coming from. You see, God did not create this world with suffering in it. That was not his original design. He does not take pleasure in seeing you suffer. Sickness and evil are not from God, but are due to our turning away from him when we give in to the enemy instead of God. But God says, I will defeat Satan who brought you all this mess. In God's sovereignty, He can use even our enemies to serve His purpose. Job did not get any answers, but he got a greater revelation from God. And what is it? The only answer that God revealed to Job is that He is the answer. Let me repeat. The only answer that God revealed to Job is that He is the answer. Job did not only get a right perspective of who God is, but he also got an invitation to trust in this God. It is an invitation that is also extended to you. You know, in our suffering and in our pain, we don't always need to know the whys. We simply need to look to the who. Let me repeat, in our suffering, in our pain, we don't always need to know the whys. We simply need to look to the who. There's no need to understand why you're suffering, why these things are happening, why this pandemic, why all this death. For if you know everything, you don't need God. In His sovereignty, it doesn't have to make sense to us. You just have to take comfort in the fact that you know the one who knows it all, who sustains it all, who controls it all. We only need to look to the one who is in control over everything. It's like when you do something that would be good for your children. Your children would ask you, why? And sometimes, even your best answer cannot satisfy them. So what do you say? That's my answer and that's final. 
Sorry if you don't like it or agree with it, but that's the answer. Because they will never understand at that point the why. They just have to trust the who, that what you are doing for them would be the best for them. The only right response to life's tragedy and trials is to simply trust the Lord for He is much bigger and greater than us and He knows what He is doing. You know, Jesus suffered, therefore He understands. And He is going to end all suffering at some point. I don't know the reason for your suffering right now, but I do know that God came to earth to be involved in, to understand your suffering in order to someday end your sufferings once and for all. God must have a good reason why he hasn't, hasn't stopped this pandemic yet, but definitely it's not because he does not love us. It's not because he is not good or powerful enough. It is not because he is in control. Maybe Job's response would have been like yours. Let's now look at Job's response to all these. In those 77 questions, we did not hear Job say a single thing. Why? Why didn't Job speak up? Christopher Morley once said, I had a million questions to ask God, but when I finally met him, they all fled my mind and it didn't seem to matter at all. For some of you, you thought, if I ever have the chance to talk to God, am I going to give him a piece of my mind? I doubt it. I doubt it. In Job chapter 40, Job responded by saying, If I ever, okay, I am so unworthy, how can I even reply to you? I will put my hand over my mouth. I will say no more. He's speechless. He's completely silent. And Job humbled himself before God and he repented of his sins. As we can see in chapter 42, he said, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. Surely I spoke of things I did not understand. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Meaning, before I know about you, but now I know you personally. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. What happens to Job? In this moment, he finally understood who is the creator and who is the created. Who is the master? Who is the servant? Who is the potter? Who is the clay? You know, does God really expect an answer from Job? Do you expect God to hear from Job saying, Oh, I saw that in National Geographic Channel. No, God was not expecting an answer. So what's going on here? Job wanted an explanation for life's suffering. He never got it. 
What God gave him instead was a revelation of who he was, of who he is, of how much he cares for him, and that he is still in control. You know, when you understand these things, when you learn to stop asking the why and stop trusting the who, then you would understand a little bit of your suffering. So don't ask the why. Instead, start knowing and trusting the who. Corey Tenboom, who has suffered for many years in a Nazi prison camp, said that no matter how deep the darkness, what I found was that God's love was deeper still. Suffering, pain, challenges, and trouble never have the last word for God's people. He is our hope and our joy, and He will bring us all home someday. Nothing in your life, brothers and sisters, happens without a purpose. Whatever He brings you through, whether you are pressed or crushed or beaten, Remember, nothing is without a purpose. At the end of the story of Job, I believe when Job looked back, he would have said that it was all worth it. Brothers and sisters, what hardship, what difficulties have this pandemic brought upon you and your family? Maybe you are facing unprecedented challenges in your business. Maybe you have lost loved ones without saying goodbye. Maybe you fear for your children's future or you are anxious about your parents' health. Let us all be reminded that our God is always good and loving and He will not allow anything that will do us harm to happen to us. One day, these storms will be no more. One day, tears and pain and suffering will be no more and it is because of what jesus had done on the cross for us that we are able to look forward to that day and now as we prepare for communion let us remember that jesus himself the only perfect and sinless one has gone through suffering and bore the wrath of god for us so that our sins may be forgiven so that we may be reconciled again to Him. So let us take a few moments of silence as we reflect on this song in preparation for our communion. Not 
see him. Remember, you're never alone. God is too wise to be mistaken. God is too good to be unkind. So when you don't understand, when you His heart. He sees the master plan. He holds the future in his hand. So don't live as those who have no Trust his heart. He alone is faithful and true. He alone knows what is best for you. God is too wise. To be mistaken, God is too good to be unkind. So when you don't understand, when you don't see His plan, when you can't trace His hand, trust His heart. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, there are so many times in our life, especially during this crisis, that we cannot see you. We cannot see your plans. 
During these times that we cannot trace your hand, Lord, may you help us to trust your heart. You are our Father. We are your children. Help us to be completely dependent upon you, especially at a time like this. Reveal yourself to us that we may see how big you are. You are bigger than our problems. You are greater than all the challenges that we face. Help us, Lord, to look upon you. Reveal yourself that we may see how deep and how wide and how high and how long is your love for us. Thank you for reminding us that we are so insignificant compared with you. You are God and we are not. And who we are today is all because of you, because of what Jesus had done on the cross. May you continue to shape and to mold us to become more and more like your Son. May your will be done in our lives and in our world. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Right now, we'll be having our communion. You can now prepare the elements. Satan's attempt to attack God's people all throughout history has only been furthered God's purposes. In the book of Acts, every attempt by Satan to stamp out the church only leads to its further expansion. And at the cross, at that moment where it looked like Satan had won, it was at that very moment that God was providing salvation for the human race. God is doing the same thing with our struggles, with the trials that we face. And what we are going through right now, God has a purpose. Satan may mean it for evil, but God will turn it out for good, for your good. You may not quite understand everything, but just as our opening song would say, He is the potter and we are just the clay. Suffering is God's way to shape us for Himself, that we may become more and more like His Son. This bread and this cup remind us that our God is sovereign, that He is too wise to be mistaken, and that He is too good to be unkind to us. My favorite verse in the book of Job can be found in chapter 19, starting with verse 25. It says, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end He will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. And with my own eyes I will see Him. How my heart yearns for that day. Our Redeemer, Jesus Christ, came to take our place. He came to suffer in order to take our punishment. Yes, we may suffer sometimes, but He suffered even more for us so that we may be eternally healed. That someday, we can be in a place without suffering, without pain, and He will personally wipe away every tear from our eyes. I may not know exactly what God is doing in my present suffering, but the cross shows me that He is doing His greatest work 
in Jesus' greatest suffering and pain. So if you are going through your greatest pain and suffering right now, then God is surely doing His greatest thing, His greatest work in your life. Today, though we are separated physically, yet spiritually we are bound by the love of God and the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And by joining together in communion, we are declaring to the world that we are the church, the body of Christ, gathered together in His name. The Lord Jesus, on the night that He was betrayed, He took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is my body given up for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Yaso Then he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Yeah, so take it away like Kong. Take it away, see young wife, we so deep as in your in which by the messy to anikia, we to see them go. Then Kyong King, Sakabayan, yes, you give them so. Right now, we'll conclude with the Lord's Prayer. You can pray in English or Chinese according to your preference. Before we end, I have some important announcements. Many people are asking, are we going to have church services soon? Well, in compliance with the government guidelines on GCQ, we are still not allowed to have religious services with more than 10 attendees. As a church, as your shepherd, you are our responsibility. As such, we want first to make sure that it is safe for everyone to gather physically, that there won't be another wave of infection before we will resume our services. Your health and your well-being are our top priority. It is better to be safe than sorry. We are also consulting with other Christian churches in Metro Manila, especially the Chinese Filipino churches, to come up with a consensus as to when it will be safe for us to re reopen our churches. I know some of you, you are looking forward. You are longing to worship again with your NMEC family. But please bear with us. We love you, and we don't want any harm to come upon you. So when it is safe again for us to congregate, rest assured we will be informing all of you. Second thing, for the past two months, you have been receiving a copy of our NMEC daily devotion. And this is courtesy of our pastoral team members who write these original articles. Also, Sister Caroline Pan, who provides the, Chris, the Chinese translation. 
as well as Sister Jennifer Wong, who does our layout. We are sending them every day to you in order to remind you to do your daily devotion by using these ready-made materials during this lockdown period. Now that ECQ is over and most of you are already back at work, we will be concluding our devotional series this Saturday, June 13. And that's the last day you'll be receiving them. But it doesn't mean you should no longer do your devotions. We continue to encourage you to have your quiet time and daily meditation. If you need devotional materials to guide you, you can contact any of the pastoral staff and we are more than willing to help you find one. Third, every Wednesday, you, we are also sending out our NMEC prayer points. This is to help you uh, on, on how to pray for the church. And today, uh, we are going to pray together some of these uh, items on the list. First, let us pray for the members of our family. Uh, pray that during this lockdown, uh, though there may be a lot of conflicts, we pray that we will use this time uh, in order to ban, in order to uh, have opportunities for interaction and have open communication that it will lead to stronger and to closer relationships among family members. This is also an opportunity to witness and to share with your non-believing relatives as well as family members. Second, let us remember our missionaries and those who are in the, in the field, in the mission field. Let us pray for their physical health as well as for the, their spiritual vibrancy. Uh, let us pray that God will provide uh, whatever they need and let us also remember uh, God's encouragement uh, for them during this uh, crisis. Lastly, let us pray for the sick uh, members of our church or family members. Uh, let us pray for physical and emotional healing. May they experience God's comfort and peace uh, through the word of God. Let us pray together for a while, then I will close. Father, we thank you for the life that we have in Jesus Christ, a life that gives us peace and joy in spite of our circumstances. Thank you for all your, for your all-surpassing power that is present with us no matter what struggle we may face as individuals, no matter what may be taking place in our world. We know that Jesus died and rose again so that we can have this new life that gives us hope for our future. We ask that you would comfort our hearts as we hear your word for the trials that we face. We pray for the frontliners who are putting their own lives on the line. Father, may you protect them. For those who are trying to find a cure, a vaccine, may you provide a breakthrough. I pray for each and every one uh, who is watching this video. Lord, may you bless and keep them. For the many people who are searching for spiritual answers during this time, I pray that the message would speak to them and that they will open their heart to you. 
and may you draw them to yourself. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. To conclude, uh, let us share this question. In these recent months, how has God re revealed Himself to you in your suffering, in your hurts, or in your pain? Thank you for worshiping with us this Communion Sunday. May God bless your week. See you again next Sunday. Thank you. Thank you.